Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. Another episode of Melting Off, a theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond and beyond the beyond. I'm Kevin Kautzman with Amanda Forstrom. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I have a fantastic person to introduce today, and I'm really excited to talk to her. Uh, although I'm sad we're missing our our uh, third leg of our little stool. Of the, of the stool. Mar- of the stool yeah. we're missing dear mari who is in new york doing her thing rocking out um but yeah we dearly miss her but we're gonna have a great conversation mari so. is going to be here for the upcoming reading that bad mouth theater company is doing at waldman brewery in saint paul minnesota on september 18th a new piece that i co-wrote with my very good friend abby lucas the edge of liberty it is a free reading 7 p.m waldman Mari will be here. So you're not, you get no Mari over the next hour. Not, none. Zero, zero Mari. You want some? You want some Mari? You want to see her act? You want her to see her play the e-girl? Uh, you have got to come to the Edge of Liberty on September 18th at Waldman Brewery, St. Paul. Free. What? I mean, a Monday night, Minnesota. It's the, you know, it's it's going to start to cool off here soon. It looks like it might be hot for a few more weeks. What else do you have going on? You don't have anything going on. Come on down. It's going to be very fun. It is a a very online sex comedy about influencers chasing clout and doing things they they maybe ought not to do. So, yes, um, uh, Amanda, this is an interview podcast by and large. Do you want to introduce our guest to Jen here? Absolutely. I mean, there's so much I don't know. We're just sort of acquaintances through the amazing and wonderful uh, Christina Mitchell. Shout out to Christina out there. Love her. Wonderful performer, teacher. And I think we'll be interviewing her on the podcast sometime in November. We're going to get her on. Uh, She's just absolutely fabulous. But I met Jen Burley-Bence, who is joining us today through Christina, who first came to Clue, which is kind of grounding all of uh some of the guests that i have on that show really introduced me to a lot of fabulous artists and creators in the in the twin cities here we still don't um, know who did it we still don't know who did it yeah (laughs) i'm dead i was dead i'm i was yvette so i really don't know well maybe i do know in the afterlife in the great beyond Uh, beyond but uh mm. yeah so anyway we are here with jen burley bence jen how are you 
Oh my gosh, I'm great. And I'm so happy to be here with you both. And I, I'm sorry to miss your friend as well, but I mean, Waldman Brewing, fabulous location, amazing outdoor patio. If you haven't been, you should go and hear this reading because it's it's an experience just to go there. The beer is fabulous. The food is wonderful. The service is impeccable. And the back patio is gorgeous. There yeah, you get there it. early. Get there early and uh, yeah, get, patron, mm-hmm, get your seats, get a beer or two, have a versed. You can't go wrong. <laughs> so, All Jen, right. tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you describe yourself as a as an artist and a creator. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, so we have three hours, right? the podcast is three hours long um (laughs) so yeah my name is jen and i live in saint paul um i just bought a house uh in just east of downtown saint paul and i actually grew up in wisconsin just 20 miles across the border in a really cute little town called baldwin and um i went to school in wisconsin at uh, the university of wisconsin eau claire and started uh performing when i was in high school in theater. And so um, arts was a big part of my life just from childhood. My mother played guitar and had me sing at church when I was three. I am a promise. I am a possibility. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I just uh, became a singer at a young age, but back then, because I'm older than 30, um, back then you didn't make a living out of singing or acting. That wasn't something that people were, um, you know, there was no voice. There was, <laughs> there were no talent shows on, on television except for star search, which was not quite as, um, prolific <laughs> as our, our current reality TV shows. Um, but I started in the arts in college and decided to, become a a theater performer. And so I had some wonderful mentors and I became a a touring performer, musical theater um, with the Ordway. um, And we did uh, the Buddy Holly story. And so that was my first foray into uh, outside of the Metro arts. So now um, many years later, I am a musical theater performer in the Twin Cities area. And I still do some tours. I'm a concert performer. I work in the arts in a day job fashion as a a director of sales and marketing for a company that makes uh, instrument cases, high-end instrument cases, right in St. Paul. Oh, yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And we make them by hand. Uh, We just moved actually from Minneapolis to St. Paul. There are only 12 of us in the entire company. I do none of the making. I merely am sales and directing market. You have never packed an instrument away. You don't even, you wouldn't even know how it works. Actually, truthfully, I, uh, I am an instrumentalist. I started ah. on trumpet and I played saxophone okay. for many years. I played hey. drums for a while. All right. um, I, uh, in my former life, I was married to a guitar player. So I was a roadie for many, many years. And then I owned a music store. I co-owned a full line music store. in ah. Wisconsin. A that is amazing. Yeah. And so I not only sold the band instrument cases, but I also delivered rentals to schools and we had 300 students a week that came through our lesson program 
So um, I, I retract my statement. Everything. I retract my statement. <laughs> no, but that was a good, that was a good forwarding question <laughs> slash mm. statement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so I work in the arts, if you will, in the peripheral sense, um, in the sales capacity with a, a company that um, was started by a, a friend of mine who I went to college with and torpedo bags it's a trumpet company and a trumpet case company and um and then he bought another company called glenn cronkite cases and i um basically pimp out those cases and make sure the orders go through and all that kind of stuff during the day cool. and at night at night ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> yeah i work i work as an actor when i'm uh when I'm hired as a union actor and uh, even when I'm working as a union actor, um, I also do a, a monthly cabaret at Metronome Brewing in downtown St. Paul in Lower Town. Metronome is a company that's based right across from CHS Stadium. And uh, their mission is to provide with their beer sales to provide a percentage of their proceeds to go towards instrument rental for students in our metro area that cannot afford to pay for their band instrument rental but their right teachers on want, yeah their teachers want them to continue to have an opportunity in the world of music and or uh, inst uh instruction so uh the metronome brewing is um uh, kind of helping me as i am no longer an owner of a music store to forward on that um prolific music education in the lives of, of young people um, with their sales. And so I do a, a cabaret the last Sunday of every month there. And I also do a, uh, an, what we call an open rehearsal. We call it an open rehearsal. I'm in a jazz orchestra called star of the North jazz orchestra. And we do uh, the fourth Tuesday of every month. We do a free show. 18-piece jazz orchestra in uh, at the Beast Barbecue in Northeast. Oh, yeah. 18-piece yeah. orchestra. That's so impressive. Oh, yeah, gosh, that's gorgeous. It's a show. It's crazy. Cool. You got a lot going on. I'm looking at the uh, Metrodome website now in the cabaret. Looks yeah. like fun. Yeah. Looks like a good time. It is. It's a blast. And this, well, Sunday, uh, I actually had four... Uh, teenagers joined me from SBCPA. Oh yeah. Right down the street there. And sing with me. Yep. We had a sold out house and they were fabulous. And uh, yeah, I, it's a, it's a lovely opportunity to be able to bring people in and a bring them to the metronome so that they continue to go there and, and help their mission, but also be uh, entertain them and give them something new every month. I'm i uh, I'm a little ashamed to say I didn't know that a uh, metronome was down there. And I, I used to, I mean, during, during COVID times, I was living in a building just down the street. Are they, where are they relative to the little ballpark? Are they, they just are, south of it? They're directly west of okay. the ballpark, right across the street there in the same building as True Stone Coffee okay. and uh, Bolvinos. Got it. I was just down at Bolvinos. Okay, cool. Well, now I know. I'll have to come and check it out. And they, it looks like they have food and everything too. They have some food, yes. They do, and they have seltzer. They have NA beers. They have um, sodas. You know, if you're not a beer drinker but you want to see sure. live music, they have salsa there. They have 
uh, guitar, the guitar monthly group uh, is there. Um, they have, it's, it's a wide range of musical tastes that they bring in both in Fingal's cave, which is downstairs. It's kind of like a speakeasy. Atmosphere. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. And then on the main floor, the main floor is usually free. And Sunday is the best night. And I'll tell you why one Jen is there Two, <laughs> uh, parking, parking, free parking. Easy. You just slide on down there. You got no excuses. It's Sunday in sleepy St. Paul. Get on down there. Yes, St. Paul on Sundays, free parking on Sundays. So that's that's amazing. It is. I like that little area. It's very cozy. Yeah. It is a qu- question, where did you live? Which building? Oh, uh, I lived in the Kellogg building. Just okay, because I lived in Galtier Towers. Okay, there you are. Yeah. We used, you we were, were neighbors we were, and you didn't even we know We were it. neighbors. Well, we probably never even, yeah. Everybody was wearing a mask. COVID. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. It was it was an interesting time to be in downtown St. Paul. I'll tell you. We had some it, fun down yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was it was kind of amazing to be in downtown. Mm. I loved it. Mm. I loved it. Yeah. It was very quiet. Very quiet. We would walk the skyways and kind of, yeah, vibe. A little, a little too quiet in the skyways for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it would there was a, a certain eeriness uh certainly yeah well this is great you're turning people on this is what this is about this podcast we want to interview interesting people who have things going on around the around the cities tell me a little more about this this jazz barbecue uh thing that you do what's the so what's the story there yeah so start of the north jazz orchestra we started um we started rehearsing together about a year and a half ago and um we so i feel like in my life in the last two years all of my college uh experiences have all just zoomed in together because i'm working for someone i'm working for someone in my day job that i went to college with the one of my colleagues in my job is also someone i went to college with uh star of the north orchestra is run by a couple gentlemen tim hoffman and patrick gonzalez and i went to college with tim and um, <laughs> and uh, he called me up and asked me if I wanted to be their vocalist. And I was like, absolutely. But, you know, I'm a musical theater performer, so it's going to be kind of hard for me to do uh, to say that I can do a gig in six months. And he's like, that's OK. Let's just start it out. And, you know, it's worked perfectly because we rehearse on Mondays and then this uh, beast barbecue in Northeast. It's just on Hennepin. It's over by Lush. If you're a Lush fan. I mean, who isn't? And it's over by um, Eli's. It's right across uh, the street from Eli's. And those two uh, restaurants are actually owned by the same people. So just as Hennepin turns east from uh, northeast, it turns east to go towards 280. That's where Beast Barbecue is. And we started uh, kind of during, it was towards the end of COVID. They're having a bit of a hard time. Um, Mm, Yeah getting people there and so we started uh doing an open rehearsal there which means sometimes i'm singing something i've never sung with them before just reading it and they're sight reading their music and you know with their <laughs> instruments and uh and sometimes it's stuff we've you know we've perfected but on the on the whole there are usually there's usually about a fifth to a quarter of the songs are new for the band so that's um, that's awesome i feel like audiences really love you know it's it's great to have this beautiful polished piece you know that they can come and see but i think for 
people who are real fans of the arts and, you know, even sketch comedy and stuff, they love seeing behind the scenes and rehearsals and what goes in. So, you know, occasionally a theater, you know, will have like a full at the Folger. We had like open rehearsals where people would come and watch and, yeah. and watch the process. But uh yeah, I I think they absolutely love it, and they just feel like they're they're in on a, like a secret thing uh, that only they know, and then they'll come back and see the finished product. But I really love that, and and doing it with music must be really exciting. It's exciting, and you know, of course, a little scary sometimes. And I'm j- I just have to go in and go. You know what? I'll see you at the end. I'll see you guys at the end. Let's just see if we can do this. And sometimes we have to start over. And the, yes, mm. they love it. The audience loves it. And it's a small space. So similar to actually Belly of the Beast is what they call it at Beast Barbecue. It's their basement. Um, that's a similar size space to Fingal's Cave, which is the basement of Metronome Brewing. Um, and so they're both kind of unknown spaces that are fabulous to play in and beast serves their full menu downstairs so people can get down there at six o'clock we start at seven we play until nine they can get down there at six o'clock at their um, station all set up reserve their seats eat a meal and sit and drink a cocktail maybe and watch a jazz orchestra play for two hours and for free and uh, Mm. it's Every every week we have different people in the orchestra because there's always somebody who needs a sub. So sometimes we'll have seven subs <laughs> in our rehearsal who are all sight reading, um, aka understudies speaking. for the for the yes. layman. <laughs> seven yes. understudies in a in a show that's almost half of the ATP's orchestra. That's pretty. That's pretty gets pretty hairy, yep, but in a it, great way. It's uh, it and and it it lends an entirely different kind of electricity and energy and excitement uh, for the rest of us who have a new drummer who mm-hmm. has never performed any of these st- songs with us before and we're just all kind of winging it. So or a keyboard player and and you know it's uh it's a it's a really really cool group of people. They're all amazingly talented. So we all just kind of roll with it. And as a performer, it you know who ha- I've been an understudy. Uh, who's performed at the last minute, but then also been in a show with multiple understudies who've had to perform. And it does, like like you said, infuse the performance in the show with this really fun, unknown electricity. And I think it really keeps you sharp as a performer and really yeah. keep kind of digging into and curious where you can kind of sit back on your heels a little bit. But this is Every single night, you get to see the electric Jen at, <laughs> in do the do, sing singing some jazz, and everybody in the orchestra is always on their toes with this electricity. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a hyper focus that goes into gear when you're um, when you're with somebody who you haven't tr- you haven't learned to trust yet. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, or exactly. somebody who reacts differently to to a solo. Um, and brings a different kind of uh, feel to the piece, and then everybody else can react to that piece slightly differently because of that. I was a um, I was on Broadway for five years with uh, with Mama Mia, and my my job was a triple understudy. So Oof. I I understudied Donna, Rosie, and Tanya. Plus, I was also in the ensemble. And uh, so if I if I wasn't understudying one of them and, and going on for a lead, I was always in the show. And every time that we had someone hop into a role, you know, everybody was always, you know, we, we, we 
reacted differently. We listened differently. Mm-hmm. We we found new moments in the show uh, because of someone's delivery. And, uh, you know, to some degree, the the beast is like that, but um, with a little bit lower stakes than a 2,500 seat theater in, in a, you know, in New York City. <laughs> That's amazing. How, and you said you were on Broadway about five years? Yep, five years. I My last show was February 14th of 2010. And I started in 2005. I joined the cast. In That's amazing. Congratulations. And how much do you love and or could you ever perform Mamma Mia again after five years? Oh, my gosh. I performed in five more different productions after that. <laughs> and I would do it every year if I could. I love it. I love this. Sh- I love the show. I love I mean, it's a terrible script, but I love the show. I love the music. Um, there's something there's an electricity about that particular show. And there's some sort of I think it's that trust factor that I was just mentioning, there's some sort of glue that it doesn't matter who you do that with that show with everyone stays family afterwards Mm. in some way, shape or form. There's, we call it the mama Mia forever factor. And um, there's just something about it that maybe it's the joy at the end of the show with the mega mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's just the fact that there's so much, dancing and you have to rely on everyone on stage with you to to make it to make it happen to keep it electric and to keep it fun and to keep it to keep that audience excited because everyone is constantly singing along uh, in the audience and those last five songs you know people are on their feet dancing and it's just so joyful so i i I think that might have something to do with it but but yeah the uh the the five years there, people said, weren't you sick of it? And I said, I think I did the show uh, 1,241 times or something like that. Oh, my goodness. And uh, and then doing it five different productions, you know, after that, y- you just find a whole new, you find a whole new show every time. So mm-hmm. I love it. I would do it every year. Did you find that with the productions following that, uh, the run on Broadway, did you find that it, that some of the direction or, you know, some of the design didn't have that same magic to it or just in a different way? You know, uh, the, <clears throat> the production value of that show versus most of our, our theaters here is I did it at the Ordway. And so, uh, you know, there, maybe their level of dollars that they were able to put into the set were, were similar. Um, but every every place I've done it, even the smallest of theaters, uh, they're able to capture the magic. It's it's grease. You can't really screw grease up. I right. Mean, I suppose someone could, but I, so far I haven't seen it screwed up. I did it at the Chanhassen. I did it at the Ordway. I did it up in Duluth. I did it in Stillwater in an outdoor performance situation where it was just a stage where they had to create, you know, levels and um, and it's. It it's never lost its charm, nor it's uh, nor have I uh, in the middle of it thought ah, this you know this probably is going to be my last time. It's always been really really fabulous, and I never want it to end. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That that is the hack question, and so I didn't ask it, but I it it's hack because. 
you you really want to know as someone who's never performed Mamma Mia 1200 times what it's like. And I don't want to ask, weren't you sick of it? But I I, I want to I really want to know what it's like to be inside that because it isn't like a band where you can mix up the playlist. Like, yeah, Dylan's going to do like a Rolling Stone, but he's got new musicians and it's going to be sandwiched between some new stuff. You know what right. I mean? And this it's in a is different like, theater. Right. Mm-hmm. And a different, right. And and this is like, you did, you did it that many times in the same place. Everybody's showing up. I imagine there's a, a work workman like quality to it. Like a, like a, mm-hmm. we're here to work, but it, but it, it has to be more than that too, because you're, uh, well, in any case, that's a long way of asking a question. I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it, it, be- it became a job. Um, surely, surely it became a job, but, um, a job that was so varied and so different every night, just because if nothing else, just because of the audience, um, any, any theater production, in my opinion, and I, and I, and I truly believe that this would be a great opportunity for a lot of performers to consider looking at live, live theater this way. In my opinion, every show should be as fresh as the last one because it's a different audience who has not seen this show. Even if they saw it last week, this week it's probably going to be different because we're going to have a different feel of how our day went. And we might we might infuse a line with something that means more to us in, in this day than it than it did last week. Or we might find that the person opposite us is giving us a line reading that's just slightly different or has more meaning because of our conversation earlier. And without changing the show uh, by changing your blocking or changing a line, uh, you keep it the same, but it's the line reading has more meaning. Uh, you can you can infuse a lot more energy and, and liveliness um, to a performance. And so I challenge actors constantly to to look at it that way. It's not about how I feel when I'm going in. Oh, it's a job today. I don't really feel good about myself. I had a bad, you know, I had a bad breakup, whatever the case might be. We're going there and we're performing this show. This is our job for people who um, want the experience, who have paid for the experience that are there to see the show at its best. And that is what we should attempt to deliver every show. I don't think that perfection is something that I see much in live theater, but I think doing the best with what we have in the moment, in the space that we're in, in the body that we're in, in the mind space that we're in is our job. It's our job. Mm-hmm. So when it came to Mama Mia, there were a lot of people that would get tired. They'd get tired because it was a busy, it's a machine. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It's a machine. And so you had to continue to do your job for everyone else to be able to get through the show. It was, it it was tiring, but um, because of that, because it was different every night, I think that, that it allowed us to really find all the joy that we could out of it every night. Even if we were sad when we went in by the end of the night, by the end of that silly mega mix, we were smiling and happy and, and glad to be there. The, yeah, the think, Mama Mia machine. Go on, Amanda. Yeah, I think you said something really important about the being in the moment, you know, and just to to acknowledge that every night the energy in the room, just like you said, from even the audience, 
mm-hmm. uh, regardless of whatever actors, you know, you know, are going on or what happened to them during the day. But just the energy of the different people in that room, in that space at that moment in time is mm-hmm. different. And letting yourself being open to accepting that energy and kind of seeing how it comes out in that character in that moment. You know, yeah. it could be just like the tiniest thing, but staying curious about those things and staying open is really what makes, like you said, gets you close to perfection because gosh, that is just so exciting to watch. You know, even if I've seen the show three times, it's just, yep. you know, I know what's going to happen, but oh man, it it wasn't the same as last week. And she did this thing or he moved like this and <gasps> took a breath and that turned their head a different way. And oh man, just blows your mind if it, you let it. it absolutely can it absolutely can do and you know i've done shows that had uh less people in the audience than we had on stage i've done those shows so the audience itself you know we find some energy from the audience but sometimes we have no energy from the audience and so then creating experience for the audience who is not having a regular audience experience because there are very few people there and they feel oftentimes like oh uh insecure, like, oh, I can't clap loud. I can't talk loud. It's, And so to be able to deliver the same show that we do to an audience of 2,500 people to an audience of 12 people um, and and still give 100 and, you know, 100% because some people say you can't give more than that, but I, I disagree. I think you can. Um, but to still give 100% to whichever show it is in whichever situation you're in, I think allows a performer to uh, grow and to experience, to experience um, a, di- a different kind of reality in, in their job than someone who just goes in and ah, I'm just doing my job and ah, I don't really feel like it tonight. So I'm just going to kind of mark it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, in, in my opinion, there's a there's a really good challenge there too. To like you said, be be in the moment, experience the moment, feel the moment, listen to the moment, react to the moment, and that will create a a better opportunity for you to enjoy what you're doing, and be an amazing opportunity for the audience to see you enjoying what you're doing in the moment. Mm-hmm. Amen. I want to ask something. Indeed, I am on board. <laughs> what is the what is the gnarliest understudy moment uh, you've had or one of the like the very last minute or something mid show? Like you I want to hear my question, Kevin. I, I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear want that. The tea. Story. We need the yeah, tea yeah, on the understudy. Spill the tea. The understudy. Oh, my gosh. You know. I mean, to go through the Rolodex of all of the years that I've done, uh, that I've worked and that I've had understudy jobs, it would be tough. But I can tell you two off the top of my head. Um, I was, uh, I was understudying Tanya. I was going on for Tanya and I had been on for her for, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 times already. And, and I was yapping with the dresser backstage before the show started. And I was all ready and I had my makeup and my blonde wig on and I was all good to go. And I started, I walked across the backstage and I was yapping with the people on my way. And, um, I stepped onto the stage and realized I still had my, my slippers on. And Tanya has a line in the opening scene about these stupid stilettos. So I had to run from, from stage left. I had to run all the way back through the sea of people, all the way back 
stage right where my dresser was sitting. She had no clue I had left my shoes there. And then I had to run all the way back, all the way across the stage. And then I, I literally had to grab and pick up my Louis Vuitton luggage and run on stage with my stilettos in my hand because I didn't have time to put them on. And and I just threw them on the ground. <laughs> it's just like, these stupid stilettos. You know, it's, ah. I mean, it... Uh, uh, that was that was challenging. And one other time when I was on as Tanya too, we had people don't think about this, but when you're in a union theater like that, the IATSE, uh, the the um, technical union, they have to hand you your props. Um, so there was a gentleman who was also an understudy that night. He was subbing for another gentleman who was a tech guy. And uh, he was handing me my props. Well, he did. He he handed me the props perfectly well, except he did not uh, detach the strap for the Louis Vuitton bag. It was supposed to go um, to be detached. And so as <laughs> as oh, I walked, no. limped on stage in my stupid stilettos, you know, actually acting in them instead of carrying them in my hand, um, I was at the end of the jetty and the strap from the Louis Vuitton bag got got wrapped around my ankle and I absolutely somersaulted down the jetty onto the stage. Oh my gosh. And, and jumped up because, you know, what do you do? I jumped up and I threw, <laughs> I threw that luggage across the stage and I said instead of my regular line I said these goddamn stilettos you know so it was like you know, not only did I fall right. and do a somersault um onto the stage but I threw my luggage the three thousand dollar Louis Vuitton bag that was actually Louis Vuitton and yeah. um but I swore so I got written up <laughs> Oh, you got, oh, you, oh, oh no. there's no, so no swearing in Mamma Mia. Oh, no. Okay. So you have to, you might have to explain this to the audience too. <laughs> it's as similar as the, if, you know, the IATSE is the technical union, they, everybody is very specific about mm -hmm. handing you your props and especially any weapons. There's a, um, fight coordinator, fight captain, and a weapons mm -hmm. expert, and everything is locked, and only certain people can handle the weapons, and nobody touches anybody else's props. It is like, you know, the Bible, protocol. if you will. Protocol, mm -hmm. the Bible, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so, Jen, will you explain <laughs> explain the the situation? Well, yeah. So, so the gentleman, he, he was the gentleman that was in charge from IATSE, from the technical union. Um, he was in charge of those two luggage pieces. He would bring them to the stage. He would hand them to me. I would bring them onto the stage. They would get removed by one of the other actors in the set change. And then that technical gentleman would take them back up to the locked room and put them in the safe. And that was part of his job. And so the fact that he didn't know to keep the strap off of the bag so that I wouldn't trip over it <laughs> was if that was something he learned that was that was a, supposed to be I'm sure written in the manual that said when you do when you give this to her you have to put the strap here and you know there are it's it's so interesting the <clears throat> set pieces that you cannot touch because 
Um, they are only IATSE. You can only have IATSE touch them. You can't plug in um, items on stage. IATSE has to plug them in. It's a it's a very, very, very specific union, and um, we couldn't do Broadway without them. Um, but a lot of what they do has to do with safety, so it makes mm-hmm. me laugh. <laughs> the fact and- that the guy who gave it to me. <laughs> oh, but but I didn't tell you the best part. I got a I got an ovation. I got a standing ovation. I mean, for, you for know, tripping down the stairs <laughs> and covering. Yes, and covering. And covering. and covering brilliantly. But explain <laughs> also explain the the writing up on oh on sure. the actor so, side yep anytime um in this isn't in every equity show um but for this particular one they were uh, we have the best stage management crew they were all really really wonderful people and what they wanted to do was keep the show in pristine condition and so if i would make up a line while i was playing one of the roles i would get a letter that said please read please, please review this line (laughs) because what you said tonight was this and what the line is, is this. And, um, the write-up that I got, uh, was from, was from my stage manager, Andy Fenton. And he, um, (laughs) it was, it was very playful, but they do send a copy of the write-up to equity and, uh, equity does receive it. I don't know that they keep it in our record or anything like that. But if if someone were to um, make up lines on the regular, they could eventually get a letter that says, this is, this is check one. You get three checks. After that, you're either fined or they, they can fire you. It's, it's within the purview of uh, the stage management through the union rules. Correct. So, yep. Um, there are op- there are opportunities for theaters to fire um, contract workers, and I and I was a chorus member uh, and with a triple cover understudy. Um, and a chorus member, when they're hired on to a production contract, this is a lot of logistics. When chorus members are hired on to a production contract in New York, they cannot be fired unless they are bought out. So they either have to buy them out for, I think it's a year, or they have to have so many strikes against them because of not showing up, um, uh, of, of having alcohol abuse or drug abuse in, uh, in the show. Um, and, and with, with not saying your lines, right. I think they, I think they called it something like, um, that, that they were verbally, um, there was some sort of a, a verbal, uh, discrimination or something like that, that people could be uh, accused of and, you know, equity would have to uphold that uh, decision if, if they were to fire them. But, but that was not what happened to me. Andy Fenton just basically <laughs> said that I added my own choreography to the opening number and that I, uh, that I said GD <laughs> in, in, in the opening number. And it was more of a, it was more of a funny thing than, than actually uh, an official write up. They were but. probably glad that you you didn't get hurt. I mean, this is that's the Absolutely. nightmare of everybody. It's like suddenly yes. you're doing, yeah, you're on yes. the ground uh, and your knee is out of place or something. Yeah, especially in the first scene, and I oh, was the understudy, yeah. so obviously right. there was already someone out. So if I had gone down, and I have had to go in in the middle of a show before. Oh, um, wow, I've had to yeah. run upstairs at intermission and get a wig on 
put the costume on. They had to do the announcement at intermission. The role of Tanya will be played by Jen Burley Benz for the you know remainder of the show because someone wow. twisted an ankle. But you know mm-hmm. the, that's the first thing that yes, very smart. That's the first thing they thought of was oh my gosh, did she just break something? And is she going to be able to continue in the show? And are we going to have to file some sort of a you know a, an insurance thing for her? And <laughs> workers compensation you know um and i was fine i was there was there was there were there was no injury but except for to my ego and my pride Mm -hmm. but a standing ovation i know it was Ah. that was that was pretty amazing (laughs) very cool that's also made me upset because i'm like why didn't i think of that before ah yeah you just do this every night right take a a pratt fall every night fired right Right. (laughs) you know hmm it would have well, to be cleared by Benny and Bjorn. <laughs> it goes all the way, all the way to Abba. It goes all the way, all the way to the top. <laughs> the scandal. Yeah, right. Well, so uh, Jen, you're you're constant. Are you uh, auditioning sort of regularly? You're looking for a show, or sort of what's the story there? Yeah, you know, our life, our lives in the world of live entertainment is all about the hustle. Um, it never goes away. So people ask, uh, who who are not performers they ask well so what is that like what's auditioning like do you like it and i said well would you like to go into a job interview every six weeks yeah and have to interview for a job and have to prove yourself to an entirely different set of um you know creative people behind the counter you know to to have to learn a new job every six weeks um and, and and it's of course it's different than that than interviewing for for a, a standard job but it's not that different um, the pr- hmm. the preparation of it is is different, of course, over time. But um, when you're when you're in this particular um, area, the the standard for um, the standard length of time for a show is right around nine weeks. So uh, you can't just get into rehearsals for a show and not audition for another show and, and expect to have something else coming up and then audition when you're done because you're you're looking at two and a half months before you need another job. So, so I'm always, I'm always looking for what's out there and looking for something that's good for me. And, you know, at, at a certain point in our lives, like at my age right now, there aren't as many roles for me to, uh, to audition for as there were when I was 25. Um, I'm not a dancer dancer. I can move well, but I'm not a dancer dancer. So I was never a real chorus girl. Um, I was more of a, you know, co-star. And so uh, that it limits the amount of shows that I audition for, but to a great degree now, um, I, I find that I, I could, if I wanted to, I could have an audition every week or every two weeks um, because of video submissions, because I can audition for anywhere. I don't have to just audition for here. You know, this is just geography. I can send stuff into Utah or um, North Carolina or, you know, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh and have a video submission. And if they want me to come in for an audition in person, I'll go. Yeah. But right now I don't want to, cause I just love my house so much and I'm happy to be <laughs> settling in my nesting in my little house that I just bought. In I'm, I'm a big fan of the East side of St. Paul. I tell you who, what I'm, uh, I'm over on. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, I just have to interject because I, I think something you said was not true because we saw you and Jesse James and you could move. 
I mean, you were fabulous in that show. It was so great. And that was before we had like really connected on on you coming on the Bad Mouth podcast here. Uh, but you were just fabulous. It was so fun. It was such a fun night. at the We theater. loved that show. We had a great time. So thank you Good. for that. Yes, yes. that oh was gosh. a great time. And she can absolutely dance her tootsies off. Well, I'm, I'm not saying I can't dance, but I'm not a dancer. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody asked me to go in and do a, um, a modern dance or a, a, a jazz move, they'd have to teach me the move. And I can I can do almost almost anything if you teach it to me. But it you know, it, it takes time. And so I never considered myself a chorus girl dancer. But yes, especially the hip hop. I do enjoy the hip hop. And we did have a good amount of hip hippity hop in Jesse James, <laughs> the, the Chan Poling and Jeffrey Hatcher musical defeat of Jesse James. But um, yeah, I'm a mover. I'm a good mover for sure. I just, I would never classify myself as a dancer except for, you know, at a club. The helter skelter. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. Yeah. And have you worked with history theater frequently? Have you, yeah. Have you, yeah. you know, I've been super blessed to work with them quite a bit over the years. I think, I think I've done like, I don't know, nine or 10 shows there over the last yeah, they're great. 12 years or so. And, you know, I worked with Ron Peluso a lot and he was just a gem. And now Rick Thompson is there and I'm excited to work with him again. And there will be one of the shows that come up in the next year. It's seven minutes away from where I live. So I really hope that I do at least one show there a year. Hire, <laughs> hire her. <laughs> history theater we know you're listening they they're, they've been they've been great because right as soon as we started this show because i had a little i i wrote a play for them on commission have a nice little relationship with them ron's fantastic i uh, love going to the theater there they've been great about uh, sending people to mouthing off for the pod so we're you know we're always happy to hear from history theater people and uh, you know so yeah and certainly when you when you're cast again there you'll have to come back on mouthing off and talk specifically about whatever it is you're you're casting oh yeah absolutely um the the uh mission there is also so close to my heart you know that they they basically are doing shows that are either written by Minnesotans or about mm-hmm. Minnesota or about an activity that happened in Minnesota. Um, every once in a while, they're able to do stock shows that have uh, a scene or two that were supposedly in Minnesota or about a Minnesotan. But generally, they're you know they're writing these shows for that stage. Yeah, and I have had the opportunity to meet so many World War II veterans. And women f- who used to be the Hormel girls back in the day, they traveled around in the 50s and sold door to door spam. You know, door to door Hormel girls. Door to door. Yes. Wow. Yes. That was the name Incredible. of one of the songs in the show. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, so many, so many wonderful opportunities. And then, you know, going down to Northfield and actually going through the Jesse James museum the historical society there it was so super interesting and so i learned a lot about our area as well as about you know this anti-hero you know mm-hmm. jesse james that you know, we kind mm-hmm. of looked i think i kind of looked at him as a as a child like a robin hood but he wasn't no he wasn't so it was it's it was a it's always a lovely opportunity to work there because i learn so much not just about my craft but about the subject matter the the formula, if you will, of history theater is something that should exist practically in every 
major metro. The concept mm-hmm. of it is so pure. Okay. And they they come away, I, you know, I have if mixed feelings about the state of American theater writ large and the regional theater as a playwright um, and also, also a theater enjoyer. But that formula that they have um, seems to lend itself to higher quality work. If you're going to roll the dice and say, where am I going to go? You can do a lot worse in history theater. They consistently come up with like compelling interesting stuff for that audience it seems like they have a very Mm -hmm. special relationship with that audience um yes yeah yeah and they're really trying to they're really trying to diversify that they're really really uh this season in in and of itself is is a good example of that but um they're they're, they want to bring in everyone they don't Mm -hmm. want to just play to their audience they want to bring in everyone and so that lends a whole nother level of you know i'm not gonna say hardship but i'm gonna say complexity to to the writers that they're asking to do the yeah. shows for them and, you know, to the creative team. And uh, it's the, the one thing I can say about working there is that, like you said, their shows are so well done. Um, they do a wonderful job of hiring really good people, not just good actors, but good people. And I think that over time, Ron got, he got intimate, you know, with who, who would, didn't perhaps gel as well. And he wanted to make sure he brought back people that had that heart and had that drive and had that goal of giving the best all the time. And mm. uh, the he, he actually cast Jesse James and that particular show being new and being new for the artistic director and, and having a whole different bent on, you know, that story than perhaps a lot of us have heard before had a lot of challenges to it. And mm. the cast that was, was there, we were all up for the challenge and we were all in it together. And that is, that's a great casting director mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. as well as the director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's did, did you all, yeah. And it's not easy. Go ahead, Amanda. No, that's just the beauty of uh, our collaborative art. You know, it's when it comes out like that and it's just everybody is in it together. I love it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's teamwork. It is. It doesn't matter if you're uh, the person who brings on a set piece five times in the show and sings two of the songs in a chorus. Um, It's teamwork. Everyone has a part to play and the part has to be played correctly to keep everything oiled, well oiled. And um you know anybody who thinks just because they have a leading role they're not part of the team is it's an i i think that's an unfortunate um way to to think um because it it truly is and always will be a team sport mm-hmm. no matter what role you have in it even if you're playing the phantom of the opera and you don't you just have to be kind of carted around and go everywhere you still there still has to be that teamwork and that trust and that honor and that um, loyalty to each other that that you can feel you can feel from the audience when that's not there. Oh, Just yeah. like and, the Jesse James gang, you ride yeah, or die, yeah, ride, ride or, or die, die in the theater. Go ride on, ride or die. <laughs> oh no, that that uh, took the cake before anything I was going to say. Oh. Well, we're we're coming into the last five minutes here. Did you did you all watch the the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford as part of like have you have you seen that movie that film, Jen? You know what? I haven't, and everybody said I should watch it, and I I didn't. No, I didn't. it's all right. I, 
Yeah, yeah. What did you think of it? Well, it's top of mind for me because I just rewatched it recently. It really holds up. It it really does hold up. And uh, I'm a I'm a Brad Pitt respecter. I'm a big Brad Pitt fan. Uh, <laughs> me too. And, me too. It, it, it's it's a it's a very unusual, very uh, cool. I mean, it, Sam Shepard's in it for the love of God. Uh, well, so, I love Sam Shepard. Yeah, and I love so, Brad Pitt too. Yes. Yeah. He's incredible. He's, if anything, he's underrated. I don't think he's underrated because I don't think it's possible, but he's, he's, he's an incredible actor with an incredible range. He's just so handsome that it's like kind of gets lost a little bit. But like when you look at his filmography, oh, Brad Pitt's in this, I'll watch it. Uh, Have you seen Killing Them Softly where he plays the hitman uh, with James Gandolfini? Incredible. In any case, this is this is the Brad Pitt podcast with Kevin Kautzman. We're just three <laughs> wacky uh, Brad Pitt fans. Um, no, jokes aside, uh, you're listening to Mouthing, uh, Mouthing Off from Bad Mouth Theater Company on 94.1 FM Frogtown Radio and online wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a good conversation with Jen Burley Bentz. Jen, it's been a it's been a real pleasure. Do you want to in the in the remaining couple of minutes give give a few plugs? Tell people where they can find you. I know you have a website. You got a thing in in St. Paul. You got a thing in Minneapolis. You got you got stuff going on. She's got oh, it yeah. going on. Go check her out. Got mm. my tentacles everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I have a terrible website, but it is there. It's just jenburleybents.com, and it's with the hyphen, Jen Burley Bents. and um. It, uh, like I said, it's terrible, but it's usually up to date. Um, and my, yeah, I'm doing actually at Metronome at the end of September on the 24th, I'm doing a different kind of cabaret night. So in 2012 and 2013, I did this musical called Disenchanted. And it basically was a musical writ written about um, the grim fairy tales that were pissed off at Disney for turning them into Barbie dolls. Cool. It's so witty. It's so vulnerable. It's so smart. And the women that are in that with me are fierce. And so we're going to do songs from that show at my cabaret on the 24th at Metronome, which is at 630. And you can go to metronomebrewing.com. I'm sorry, metronomebrewery.com and register for tickets there. Um, They're 10 bucks and they're only 55 seats. So it's very intimate. And if anybody saw that show before, they all wanted to see it again. Everybody wants to see it again. It's ridiculous. And uh, I'm also then the Beast Barbecue is on the 26th of September on Tuesday. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month. And fourth Tuesday of every month, last Sunday of every month, is uh, those are my dates. And cool. I hope to keep them for as long as I can because I, gosh, they feed my soul like I like you wouldn't believe. Tremendous. All right. I will put a link to your website in the show notes of this website at badmouthtc.com. The Edge of Liberty, September 18th, Waldman Brewing. Come out, see Amanda. Amanda's in it. I hyped Mari up a lot. Woo-hoo. You got to come out, see Amanda. Jen, this has been a real pleasure. It's It's been nice getting to know you uh, on this what episode. What a blast. What a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Ride Thank or die. So for- Ride or die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>